Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your Creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 441 for the 15th of Shvat in a regular year. I'd like to begin today's episode by relating a fable that is a, that I happened to hear by Hashkacha Pratas uh, very recently on some audiobook or podcast or something. I don't remember exactly where I heard it, but uh, but it's it's very telling and it is very much in line of the theme of today. So the fable goes that one time there was a scorpion who asked a frog to carry him over a river. The frog hesitated and said, I don't know if this is a good idea because if I, t- if I take you across the river, what's going to stop you from stinging me? And the scorpion said, don't worry about that. He said, if I were to sting you, then I would die and then we'd both sink. So I don't want to drown. So, you know, don't worry about that. And the frog says, hmm, that's a really good point. Okay. And he says, sure. Okay, great. Come upon my back. So the scorpion goes onto the back of the frog and they start swimming in the river and everything's going great. Midway into the river, the scorpion stings the frog and they start drowning. <laughs> and as they're drowning, as they're about to die, the frog turns to the scorpion. He said, why did you do that? And the scorpion says, alas, it is my nature. So <laughs> why do I bring up this story? So the, uh, the reason why I bring up this story is to illustrate the point that nature can be very cruel animals can behave very, very cruelly. There's a misconception, maybe promoted by Disney, I'm not sure, that, you know, nature is really peaceful and beautiful. And uh, if not for humanity, uh, the humans are the ones that really come in and mess everything up. And if we were to just stay out of the way, everything would be glorious and amazing and everything. And the truth is, that's not true. As we see, you know, with this example with the scorpion, there are numerous other examples too of animals. Very many animals will kill for fun. Husky dogs are known to kill sheep for fun. Often there'll be like a farm of a bunch of dead sheep and they were just killed by husky dogs. They weren't eaten. They weren't, it wasn't for self-defense. It wasn't, you know, for self-preservation or anything like that. It was just like raw killing for fun. A lot of animals will rape one another even. There are stories of ducks ganging up and raping hens. There are stories of chimps murdering. You often see cats toying and playing with mice, dragging them even after they died just for fun. So the stories go on and (laughs) it really is quite horrific if you really think about it. But what we see from the story with the scorpion and the and the frog, that alas, this is their nature. This is the nature of animals. And when we say nature, 
people say, you know, mother nature or whatever, as Jews, we believe, no, this is ultimately Hashem who created their nature is Hashem. Hashem, God uh, is the one in charge of their nature, but this is how he created them. So the, the reason why I'm talking about this and how it's relevant to today's theme is we see that as cruel as animals can be and as uh, as horrific as nature can be, at the end of the day, these animals do not have freedom of will and they're behaving exactly in line with the way that God created them for whatever purpose. We don't know what that purpose is always. Often, usually we don't know what the purpose is, but Hashem has his reasons. And we've talked about elsewhere in the Tanya how everything in the world what is is created and is vitalized by God. And for some reason or another, as we spoke about yesterday, uh, there are there's even some things in the world that appear to be outright evil that appear to go against the will of God and their whole existence is like doing things that are against the will of God. But even these things as well are really only behaving in the way that God accorded to them. They're, they're also being vitalized and, su and sustained by God's will uh, and wisdom, albeit in a backhanded manner. So now where do you humans fall in this whole scheme of things, uh, or particularly Jews. We spoke, we started beginning speaking about this yesterday, and we're going to continue along these lines today, where we talk about the, the unique human capacity, and especially the unique Jewish capacity to rise above nature, to act with free will, to not just be puppets, so to speak, at the hands of God. And just like, you know, like the scorpion in the example who just can't help it. This is their nature. We as Jews could help it. We don't need to just act in accordance with our nature. Our nature also, in fact, is quite complex. As we learned, we have a, an animal soul. We have a godly soul. There's a lot of factors at play there that, um, that really make us unique in that way. And just like how we spoke about yesterday that a person who chooses the side of evil, when they have that choice, they actually degrade themselves below the evil forces because the evil forces themselves don't have that choice. They're stuck in the darkness, whether they want to or not. So too, are we going to learn today that if a person chooses to behave like an animal, they actually degrade themselves below the level of an animal because as mentioned, animals can't help it. This is their nature. This is who they are. And whereas yesterday, the focus was really on the fact that if a person uh, does things that are against the will of God, they degrade themselves below the level of uh, of those things that are against the will of God, thus bringing themselves into the realm of e evil. The angle that the ultra is going to take today actually is on the fact that not only is a person like engaging with evil and degrading themselves when they engage in, in acts that are animalistic or you know against the will of god but it's actually insane it's not a sane thing to do to act uh in discord with the will of your creator and we'll we'll come to understand why that is and so the ultra rapid begins this section for today and for context we're in the middle of chapter 24 uh where he actually brings um a citation from the gemara and this is from sota page 3a uh, and this is, you know, talking about the sota, talking about the adulterous woman who, you know, a woman that's married to a man and then she has uh, commits adultery with somebody else where it's where the Gemara says, So a person does not trans, um, commit a transgression unless a spirit of folly enters into him. So this is this idea that basically 
the only reason why somebody would go against the will of God, it's such a nonsensical thing to do. It's such a lowly thing to do that like really is so beyond any kind of reason that the only reason why somebody would actually go against the will of God is if a spirit of folly, of an insanity enters into them. And the ultra goes on and says, and this, this applies, you know, specifically the example is given with an adulterous woman. Why? Because in the case of an adulterous woman, the altar says, so this is like we're picturing a woman who actually might have certain lustful thoughts and is kind of frivolous in her mind. And even she, the Gemara is, is telling us, she would have been able to control her taivas, to control her desires, if not for the spirit of folly that was entered into her. So no matter how lustful a person is feeling, how frivolous they are, they wouldn't do something that would be against the will of God in such a manner because it's so beyond the realm of sanity and it's so evil that it's it, it, it it's not something somebody would do unless a spirit of folly entered into them. And this spirit of folly, what does it do? It conceals and covers up the hidden love that is found in the godly soul of this woman. So if you remember from previous episodes, we talked about this, uh, that every single Jew has contains within them a hidden love, which gets aroused at in times of intense situations where somebody is threatened, God forbid, with death, you know, or bow down to an idol or to renounce their Judaism or whatever. And time and time again, the ultra bit told us how a Jew will be willing to give up their life rather than to renounce God. And so... The altar is saying here that for this woman, she too has this hidden love of God within her. And this hidden love of God would prevent her from bowing down to idols if she were in such a state where it was like her life or bow down to an idol. And even if it was a state of just bow down and you don't actually have to believe in it within your heart, she wouldn't bow down to an idol is what the altar is saying. And so... If you think about this, that she would be willing to give up her life in order to not bow down to an idol, but yet she's not able to control her adulterous instincts, you know, to her desires to be with another man. Like it seems a little bit strange. And so the reason for this, the altarist says, is because of the spirit of folly that enters into her. It's not a rational thing because overcoming this momentary pleasure, this lust, you know, that she has to cheat on her husband I mean okay that might seem like a difficult thing to do but and maybe even you can say painful but is it as painful as death I don't think anybody would argue that it's more painful than death death is obviously more painful but yet she'd be willing to give up her life for God if she was put in a situation of having to worship idols versus dying and so if that's the case she'd be willing to suffer the pain of death but she's not willing to suffer the pain of overcoming this temptation of adultery so it seems really strange right and so the altar explains that this is because it's not something rational this is just because of the spirit of folly that is the klipa that becomes enclosed within her godly soul until the chokhmah that is within her. But not, the altar of it is, uh, make sure to point out, not including the faculty of chokhmah. So it reaches up until her faculty of chokhmah. And so that is what uh, what causes her to commit adultery, is the spirit of folly. So, so what this means is basically the spirit of folly, folly brings about this like certain temporary insanity to the adulterous woman where she doesn't realize what she's doing, that she's going against the will of God and 
and isn't willing to sacrifice this temporary pleasure, even though she'd be very willing to sacrifice a whole life of pleasure by giving up her life and dying in order to um, not worship idols. But the truth is, get away from the insanity that Elderab is saying, and let's look at it rationally. In true truth, even a very, very small transgression this is going against the supernal will of God. And going against the supernal will of God, this is the utmost separation from his unity and from his oneness, even more than the Sitrach and the Klipos, which are called other gods, and actual idolatry. And so too, in regards to all of the things that come out of the Sitrach and Klipa in this world, which, what are those things? These are like the impure animals and beasts and impure birds and all the different insects and reptiles and things like that. And then the Alter Rabbi here brings a very apt saying from the Gemara or citation from the Gemara from Sanhedrin page 38a, where it says, Yatush Kadmach, uh, which literally means that the gnat or like a mosquito preceded you. So the Gemara is saying here basically that it's pointing out the fact that it that a gnat was created before a human. So a human should not be think of themselves as too high. We shouldn't get too high and mighty on ourselves. We should remember that we actually were the last creatures that were created. And hopefully this will give us a little bit of humility. And what the altar up is, is pointing out here is that we are not, you know, sort of what I was talking about in the beginning of the podcast today is we are not greater than the animals in a certain sense. And we should, and when we go against the will of God, we're actually making ourselves a lot lower than them. And the reason why the ultra Rabbi picks the example of a gnat is what is it about a gnat is a gnat is it doesn't excrete. So it takes in and it doesn't give out. And this is an example of the lowest type of klipa and the one that is the furthest from holiness because it's like just taking, 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 and it's not, it's not giving because what is holiness? Holiness is all about giving and holiness is all about giving to that, which is very far from it even. And so this gnat, which is like, you know, the epitome of unholiness that it just takes and takes and doesn't give, this gnat is considered to be higher than, or it precedes the the man who sins in the hishtalshalas in like the descent of the of the vitality of the world from the supernal will of god and this is true also for all the other impure animals and even like the really bad and wild beasts so you know maybe in that category would fall some of the some of the animals which i talked about in the beginning of this episode which act in really you know wild and and horrendous cruel way so all of these animals, as wild and as evil as they might be, they do not deviate at all from God's command. And they are very aware of this, even if, you know, let's say they're not consciously aware of it, but their spirit is aware of this. So they're, they're very connected to God, all of these animals. And then the altar Rebbe brings a couple of citations to support this point. The first one is from Brachis, from Genesis chapter 9, verse 2, where it says, Morachem v'chitchem that the fear and dread of you shall lie upon every beast of the earth. So meaning to say that these animals have a spiritual sensitivity and they recognize God and they recognize our, our divine purpose in creation. And not only that, there's another citation here that the altar brings right after that, this time from the Gemara in Sanhedrin 38b, page 38b, where it says that no, there's no wild beast that will rule over an animal unless he sees this person as an animal. So meaning to say that animals inherently and instinctively recognize the superiority of man over them 
if that man is behaving like a man, but if a man behaves like an animal, then the that goes away. And then the beast is, it, it makes the person vulnerable to attack by the beast. And then the Ultra Rebbe says that Sadiqim, who the image of God never leaves their face ever, all of the most wildest animals can never rule over them. And the Ultra Rebbe says that this is what's explained in the Zohar about Daniel, the prophet Daniel, who he was, you know, amongst all the lions and he wasn't attacked by the lions because he was such a great Sadiq. So Sadiqim are, have such a state of holiness that they really walk around with this um, presence of being human. And so animals know instinctively not to attack them, not to touch them. And so thus, the altar says that somebody who sins and goes against the will of God, even with a very small transgression, at the time that he's doing this transgression, God forbid, then he is at an utmost distance. He's very far from the supernal holiness, which is the unity and oneness of God, more than all the other animals, even the more most impure animals and the insects and the reptiles that all come from the Sitra Akhra and the Klippa and from idolatry. So that's the end of the sec section for today. And so just to kind of recap and bring it all together. So today is kind of a continuation from yesterday where we began talking about this topic about how it is that if a person does something that's against the will of God, uh, it separates them like to the same degree, basically, as like when we do a mitzvah with God and it unifies us, then if, if a person, God forbid, does uh, does something against the will of God, it separates them from God and it unifies them instead with the klipos and with the sitra achra, with these negative forces. And, the, and it, not only does it unify them with these negative forces, but it actually degrades them below these negative forces because as explained several times, these negative forces have no will of their own. They can't help that they're dark. This is how God created them. But a person can, a person can decide um, what they're going to do. So, and then again, the special angle that we took on this today was this idea of the insanity component and how it is that if a person does choose instead to go against the will of God, um, this is actually insane because their inner being, like their inner truth, their inner um deepest self is their godly soul and is and they have this innate love of God that would cause them to uh, give up their life like we've already spoken about how every Jew would be willing to give up their life for the sake of God so it's like so you'd be willing to give up your life for the sake of God but you're not willing to forego the temporary pleasure that a whatever a certain sin brings like that's insane that doesn't make sense you know it's kind of like the equivalent of like um, if a person were to be offered really delicious chocolate cake and it's amazing and delicious chocolate cake but that chocolate cake is poisonous you know would they eat the chocolate cake if they would that's insane like that's you know it's like one thing to be like to really like chocolate cake it's another thing to be such a slave to your desires that you're willing to be poisoned god forbid for that so that's sort of um the way to think about sins is in that sense is that it's it, it might be a temporary um type of pleasure but it's um but it's, it's really detrimental in terms of separating you from your creator and that it really degrades you below the level of animals, of, of negative forces and, and other things like that that can't help but be in that state to, to behave as they do. That's how God created them. That's their nature, as we explained with the story of the scorpion in the beginning. Um, but you do have a choice. You do have agency. So, uh, so that's the thing to keep in mind is to try to live our lives as much in line with our true selves with our creator as we possibly can to live a sane 
and um, connected existence. So that's the end of the section for today. And tomorrow we'll conclude this chapter. So stay stick with it and I'll speak to you then. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Avraham Yitzhak ben Binyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Top project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.